This is Soul Over the Bones, a podcast for rewilding by Liz Glenn. Khalil Gibran says this in his masterpiece, The Prophet. And the weaver said, Speak to us of clothes. And he answered, Your clothes conceal much of your beauty, yet they hide not the unbeautiful. And though you seek in garments the freedom of privacy, you may find in them a harness and a chain. Would that you could meet the sun and the wind with more of your skin and less of your raiment. For the breath of life is in the sunlight, and the hand of life is in the wind. Some of you say, It is the north wind who has woven the clothes we wear. And I say, I, it was the north wind, but shame was his loom, and the softening of sinews was his thread. And when his work was done, he laughed in the forest. Forget not that modesty is for a shield against the eye of the unclean. And when the unclean shall be no more, what were modesty but a fetter and a fouling of the mind? And forget not that the earth delights to feel your bare feet, and the winds long to play with your hair. I wrote this on Instagram in a post not long ago. I said, Once long ago it was said that God created two people, and those people were born naked as we all are, but were not ashamed of their nakedness as the skin is merely an organ, and perfect and right, and created exactly for holding us all together, as intended. It was evil that taught them to wear clothing because nakedness was shameful. This rhetoric of binary good and evil has been passed down ever since, and judgment is still placed on people reclaiming their bodily autonomy. Some people find covering their bodies liberating, a devotion to a higher power that I can respect and admire. Others find liberation in celebrating their bodies, showing skin and claiming what is rightfully theirs. I celebrate with them. The question of whether or not something is harming someone is increasingly blurred by politics and religion, but I think in your heart of hearts, you know. In the Bible, in the book of Mark, chapter 9, verse 47, it begins with, And if your eye causes you to stumble, pluck it out. Jesus was pretty clear. If seeing a girl showing skin is going to cause you to feel compelled to violate her, pluck your eye out. You're the problem, not her. Yet in these same places of worship, women from young ages are commanded to cover up their bodies, even their shoulders and knees. Breastfeeding mothers are reprimanded for allowing boys to see them feeding their children. If you believe God made your body and that each part has a purpose, then why is there so much shame? If evil is what you believe brought about the need to wear clothing, Why are you still catering to evil? The LDS Church Handbook is easy to access to be able to cite as a source about modesty. It says this, Modesty is an attitude of propriety and decency in dress, grooming, language, and behavior. If we are modest, we do not draw undue attention to ourselves. Instead, we seek to, quote, glorify God in our body, and in our spirit, which is quoting from 1 Corinthians chapter 6. The section below, 
addresses dress and grooming and says, if we are unsure about whether our dress or grooming is modest, we should ask ourselves, would I feel comfortable with my appearance if I were in the Lord's presence? We might ask ourselves a similar question about our language and behavior. Would I say these words or participate in these activities if the Lord were present? Our honest answers to these questions may lead us to make important changes in our lives. Prophets have always counseled us to dress modestly. This counsel is founded on the truth that the human body is God's sacred creation. We must respect our bodies as a gift from God. Through our dress and appearance, we can show the Lord that we know how precious our bodies are. Our clothing expresses who we are. It sends messages about us and it influences the way we and others act. When we are well-groomed and modestly dressed, we can invite the companionship of the Spirit and exercise a good influence on those around us. Central to the command to be modest is an understanding of the sacred power of procreation, the ability to bring children into the world. This power is to be used only between husband and wife. Revealing and sexually suggestive clothing, which includes short shorts and skirts, tight clothing, and shirts that do not cover the stomach, can stimulate desires and actions that violate the Lord's law of chastity. In addition to avoiding clothing that is revealing, we should avoid extremes in clothing, appearance, and hairstyle. In dress, grooming, and manners, we should always be neat and clean, never sloppy or inappropriately casual. We should not disfigure ourselves with tattoos or body piercings. Women who desire to have their ears pierced should wear only one pair of modest earrings. They are very specific about the do's and don'ts. And I'm not picking on the Mormon church here. It is, again, the easiest for me to reference, to access. They list their beliefs very clearly and openly. So I am able to obtain these to be able to depict for you this message that I am trying to get across. I also went ahead and pulled up the Baptist Press, which says this about modesty. Dressing modestly, however, acknowledges the beauty and power of femininity. It doesn't mean you're ashamed of your body. Modesty is simply valuing what has value. They also outline some questions to ask yourself before getting dressed each day, which are, does this display the gospel or distract from the gospel? Is what I'm wearing going to bring someone down, make someone envious, or cause them to struggle? Am I dressing to make myself known or to make Christ known? And do I find my worth in my outfit or in my identity in Jesus? These are a couple of Christian sects. I'm sure I could get into a lot of Eastern religions that are also very conservative in their dress. Again, if this is something that you identify with, I honor that in you. But for the sake of the wild woman and rewilding, I aim to liberate women who desire to be liberated. I used to belong to these particular religious sects, so I am able to adequately give my perspective as somebody who lived through it. 
Obviously, if you are deeply rooted in a religious mindset, these things that I have listed may make perfect sense to you and only depict your devotion to a higher power by controlling your outer appearance. To me, this only sounds like control. Even when I was following all the rules, daily reading scriptures, weekly attending church, going to Bible studies, and participating in temple ceremonies, I still knew this wasn't right. I cringed at the posters in the young women's room saying, spaghetti straps aren't allowed. Could I ever raise my daughter to believe her body is bad? How does a person live their entire lives only thinking of taking responsibility for others' thoughts and behaviors and controlling themselves? What kind of questions do these raise? Do young women feel that they are out of control of their bodies? And yet, those who tend to be out of control are the people they are trying to protect by being modest to avoid any kind of violation. Ultimately, how is there any time left for worship if you're so consumed with self and preventing men from acting untoward? Policing women's bodies tends to be the focus here, as apparently women are never sexually hungry and men's appearances never cause them to quote-unquote stumble. There is a clearly patriarchal anti-woman narrative here. Men clearly preside over the household, meaning the women and children, and some people are okay with this. It can be comfortable being a follower. If all decisions are made for you, there's little anxiety in having to do any of it yourself. And believe me when I say that I am speaking as a person who lived this life. I am not trying to call out any person or be hateful or divisive in any way. I am speaking as a person who once lived this experience and I am speaking from my own experience. From my own experience, I ask, what kind of life is this? There's about a million examples I could illustrate here from women who run with the wolves. That's what the entire book is about, women's reclamation. I will say this, there is a soul need to express oneself and demonizing women is representative of a predator of the psyche that restrains a woman's freedom and injures her instincts. Surely the wild woman who is in each of us cries out in these situations, and somewhere along the line, there will be an imbalance. For those who aren't religiously inclined, but still associate breastfeeding with something shameful, know that the discomfort is within themselves. They are the problem, not the person feeding their child. Nursing, in fact, is recommended by the World Health Organization and UNICEF, who say children should be breastfed if possible for the first several years of their lives. There are scientifically backed health benefits to doing so. I can't even believe this needs to be said, but breastfeeding your child in public is legal in all 50 United States. Any narrative shaming mothers otherwise have been passed down culturally, but clearly not at the root of any religion, biologically or scientifically. It's all the narratives of people who have changed it to conform to their beliefs. Awareness is essential, and setting an example for others is important as well. Children of all genders should be reintroduced to how normal it is for a mother to feed her baby, for a woman to have a body, 
for a woman to be a person, a functioning member of society, not an ornament, but an individual just like everybody else. The harmful rhetorics of modesty need to be unlearned. Another post that I have published to Instagram said this, quote, what is forbidden is eroticized. Shaming a mother for using her body specifically formulated to feed her child is beyond sense. Skin is not bad. Bodies are not bad. The narratives we attach to what's happening is what leads to these stories rooted in shame, shadow, and taboo. The more we shine light on it and normalize what is beautiful and normal, the more accustomed we are to shifting our narratives to see kids. This is perfectly normal. A mom is feeding her baby. Nothing more, nothing less. If this is uncomfortable for you to look at, I invite you to start digging. Find the root and pluck it up. We have all grown up in a society that has so often skewed what is pure and lovely. It's time to reclaim it. I was featured as one to watch in Heartful Magazine's spring issue and shared a story of when I first came back to visit Michigan the year my daughter was born. I was sitting on a sand dune at a beach on Lake Michigan when I had multiple white men walk by and make comments. One was, Ugh, that's disgusting. Why can't you just bring your kid a bottle? And another, only in America. I have absolutely no need to justify feeding my five-month-old baby who wouldn't accept a bottle. I suppose this person could reason that she should just starve then? That attentive care to her needs is worse? Even less do I feel a need to justify that I was completely clothed with nearly no skin showing. I had a v-neck t-shirt over a camisole underneath, and to breastfeed my child, I pulled up one shirt, pulled down the other so I had no skin showing, and her head covered my breast. We were on a beach. Any number of other women were in significantly less clothing than me, as is their right, on this hot August day, yet I was the one drawing negative comments. This, by the way, is only in America. I guess that other guy was right, except not in the way he intended. Nowhere else in the world is breastfeeding so villainized. My entire crusade is based on freedom. Do I want to protect children? Yes, of course I do. Are some people twisted and evil and backwards in their thinking and actions? Yes. Do I think we should cover every inch of our bodies head to toe with cloth to prevent these people from hurting others or acting on their thoughts? No. The responsibility for wrongdoing lies with the wrongdoer, not the victim. We are all intended to be free, to do no harm and take no shit, to be more intentional, aware, and conscious than the last generation and ultimately, than ourselves the day before. All of my works are rooted in this crusade, including my wild woman photo sessions, which I created to be able to depict women in their power, reclaiming what is rightfully theirs, to show how they are embodied, conscious, and connected to themselves and to the world around them. I can't imagine the legacy 
that a shoebox full of these pictures passed down through the generation would be. The powerful imagery that inspires future girls to become women that love their bodies and feel free to be fully themselves. After all, this is my personal goal as a mother to a daughter myself, and it is central to everything I do. I hope that this episode was informative and gave you food for thought. I hope, ultimately, I can enable you all to be unshackled and free. Talk more next time. Thank you.